Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eyes across everything happening in the world of professional wrestling in a show made by fans for fans. Coming up today, AEW is officially limitless as Keith Lee makes his debut for All Elite Wrestling, and Jay White walks through the forbidden door in what many are calling the best dynamite in recent history. We look at a big addition to the roster, a violent Texas deathmatch for the world title that saw Adam Page's next challenger emerge, and more teases for a Wardlow turn. And if it was a banner week for AEW, WWE made two matches that very few of us were clamouring for, with Roman Reigns and Goldberg confirmed for the WWE Universal Championship in Saudi Arabia, and Ronda and Charlotte set for Mania. We look at whether there's any way to get excited about those matches, plus fantasy booking, belt versus belt, roundabouts, reacher, and more, right now on Earning the Push. My favourite Dynamite, yeah. Uh, that's a big thing to say because there's been some great Dynamites with some unbelievable matches, but I just loved it from start to finish. It was just 100 miles an hour. I know we we sometimes criticise Dynamite for having too much going on and not enough story, but everything had things going on, but it it built on story. MJF CM Punk is story. Obviously, Inner Circle is very long storytelling. I didn't hate the Texas Deathmatch. I don't know. We like Texas Deathmatches, but I didn't hate it. There was nothing. There was lots of spots that when we went, ooh, the spot where he goes for the uh, suicide dive and just eats a trash can lid to the face. That's my kind of Texas death match. So it was just a brilliant show, I thought. Um, and obviously the main event of it in everyone's eyes is Keith Lee's here. Keith so, Lee is back wrestling. Let's talk about that then, because there was a lot of hype beforehand with Tony Khan saying there's a big acquisition. We're opening up the forbidden door again. We sort of threw out on social media, who would you be excited about? Who would you want to see return? Aaron said, you know, I would love, love, love for it to be Jeff Hardy, but I think it could be Keith Lee, uh, Insomniac Kingdom. I think it could be Killer Cross. I would love it if it was the former Bray Wyatt. We had lots of people speculating on whether it was Will Ospreay, who it could be. Keith Lee comes out. And he gets a big old pop. No one's forgotten who Keith Lee was. No, not at all. I think Keith Lee's in that perfect storm of he came through, obviously, the indie circuit to NXT, made a real name for himself in NXT, where everyone in NXT knew who he was. He then had that 2020 Rumble spot with Brock, which kind of brought him to the masses. He then came up to the main roster and everyone knew who he was. Everyone he was treated like a big deal. And then he wasn't. And actually, WWE's handling on the fact that he never did anything on the main roster probably has helped him in this sense of there's nothing people to go back on, like, oh, there was the good, there was the bad. They're like, he's just been mishandled and we want to see him handled properly and booked correctly. So his 90 days are up and all that pop. I thought he'd be on honeymoon with Mia Yim because they got married last week. So that was my prediction. Oh, how wrong I was. Honeymoons aren't around when you're a wrestler, it seems. She will she will have her three days and be happy with it. I imagine she'll want to be back wrestling soon anyway as well. So, yeah, I, I just, I'm so excited. That, that roster... I say it every week, but it's just beyond stacked. And it's like Tony Khan is building Charlie's dream roster. It's it's just just brilliant. I'm so excited. Like when we started this show, I was so so to AEW. I was like, oh, I'll watch the big shows, I'll watch the highlights. Now it's like NXT was. You can't you can't miss what happens on Dynamite for me now. You I wake up on a Thursday, 
And the first thing I do is spend an hour checking what happened on Dynamite. I get up earlier on a Thursday to factor into my day being able to look at Dynamite. It's buzz. It's adrenaline. It's a feeling that if you don't watch AEW Dynamite as a wrestling fan, you are missing out on a happening, a thing. And it might not always be great. It might sometimes leave you head scratching, but it is the easiest two hours of wrestling to sit through. And you've got into it. We know some of our listeners have started getting back into wrestling because of AEW. And that isn't easy, not only to start getting that buzz, but to sustain it through two plus years, including in a pandemic. And that's what we forget is they had their two of their first years in a pandemic, the hardest time for wrestling. We saw companies go under mm. and this new fledgling company has just gone from strength to strength. Uh, something I didn't think I'd see would be John Moxley and CM Punk delivering a doomsday device. There's, there's, there's some words I didn't think I'd say. That was cool. I really enjoyed them tagging together. That was cool. I enjoyed that. That's a little surprise, that little entrance. A, a real surprise. No one expected to see it coming. And you just know that Brian Danielson is going to have mm. something to say about why John Moxley feels comfortable teaming with CM Punk, but ne maybe not with Brian Danielson. So that's story as well. Talking about the Keith Lee booking, if you're going to bring him back, put him with Private Party. Put him with two supreme athletes who are just going to fly around that ring for him. I mean, they it, it debuts are right, a two-man thing, right? It's a guy making the debut, but the other person in the ring. And Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Wen, they just they just flew for the guy. They what, made him a beast. What about that bit at the end? Isaiah comes through and gets caught and gets dealt with. And then Mark Wen comes through and kind of flips. And Lee catches him in like a styles clash position. Picks him up, power bombs him through Isaiah, picks him up again, and delivers one of the most brutal buckle, not buckle bombs, apron bombs I've ever seen. And Jack, I don't know if you're aware, but the apron is the hardest part of the wrestling ring. I'd heard that. I'd heard yes. that said. Yes, that, that's savage from Keith Lee. But yeah, you're so right. It was a perfect, perfect setup. And I love a ladder match. I love a multi-man ladder match. And I've always said every great multi-man ladder match needs a good big man. I can't think of many better big men for ladder matches than Keith Lee because my, my favourite in the past has been Kane and among the back ladder match just causing utter destruction. It's brilliant. What Kane couldn't do is be as athletic as Keith Lee is. He's so athletic for his size. And I think that ladder match, when they build who's in it, could be a real show stealer. Would it be fair to say, given you are the professional athlete on the show, that perhaps Keith Lee was looking just a touch heavier than he was when we saw him last in WWE. He did seem to be just almost as wide as he was tall. I know he's always been a big old bloke, but but was he carrying just a touch more timber than he, than he previously had? He looked a little more inflated. <laughs> like, he didn't look any... I, it's weird, I don't think he looked any less in shape, just everything looked bigger. Like, his yeah. arms looked bigger, his chest looked bigger, and then he has one of these, what I call, barrel stomachs where if you touch that, it is going to be hard as rock. Nothing's going to wobble, but he just has a barrel. And some people are just built that way. And no one is going to debate. No one who's watched Keith Lee is going to debate that he's not athletic, that he's not fit enough, that he can't go. Those matches with uh, Dijakovic in NXT, for example, they were 25, 30-minute classics where they were just, both of them just went and went and went. He can hang with anyone. But yeah, it was like someone who just, it's like if someone had a Keith Lee balloon, it's like someone had just blown it up about three more times, like, he just looks a really big man and not in a bad way. And maybe they wanted to be a little bit more of a monster in AEW because it's something they, 
if they lack one thing, they lack a early 2000s Kane-esque monster who just runs through everyone. Runs through. And as much as they might be trying to build Hook, sorry for bringing him up, Jack, it helps if you have that size to fall back on. And Keith clearly does. And like you say, he looks, he's, he's a big old boy. There is, uh, I was watching my social media earlier today and everyone, everyone is talking about Keith Lee. And I also saw Miro trending. And I was trying to work out why Miro was trending and your eyebrows have just gone up. And the reason Miro is trending is because a Keith Lee Miro confrontation. Oh, yes, please. Thank you very much, Tony Khan. Didn't know I needed that till you just said it. Yeah, just let them just be big old boys doing big old boy things. So did it deliver? Because one criticism of AEW is that in the past, they have hyped someone coming in and it hasn't delivered. Christian Cage is the example we give. It's a dangerous tactic to rely on. Did this meet the mark for you? Yes, I think it did. I think Keith Lee is a big enough name now, a big enough star, is loved enough by wrestling fans that it did, and that pop shows you. I think the names it could have been to deliver would have been him. As as brutal as it is, I don't think Killer Cross would have been quite the same. I don't think he has the same star power, as brilliant as he is. I think Jeff Hardy could deliver that. I think Bray Wyatt would deliver that. I think they're the three, probably. I don't think a Braun Strowman would have at all. The only other one that would have been, we were discussing, and it would have been great for a pop value than what you're doing is if Shane O'Mac had walked out, I would have lost my goddamn mind. Where did this come from that people were, because I know we're saying it facetiously, but there was some speculation online that Shane McMahon's going to walk out on AEW. Because now, come it's on. Be- it's because Shane had been fired. And allegedly, honestly, allegedly. In the last 12 to 18 months, have we not learned that genuinely anything will happen in wrestling now? Genuinely anything. The man who main evented WrestleMania three months later was wrestling for another promotion and is now in, is been facing off with John Moxley and CM Punk's knocking around as well. Like, mad things happen in wrestling now. It, it is a mad time. We will get on to more of what was happening on Dynamite, but we do do fantasy booking on this show. And Charlie and I uh, were speculating last night on social media. No, you no, could... no, no, no. We weren't speculating. You were very mean and you pitched to me what would be my dream debut last night. And then anything was going to be a letdown after it. I said to Charlie that we could theoretically have a situation where not only did Keith Lee debut, but Ember Moon came out through the crowd. And Johnny Gargano hopped the fence. And then you saw Red Dragon and Adam Cole run to the ring to fight them off. And then they turn and smile. And then William Regal walks out. And you have an NXT invasion of AEW. And yes, it's fantasy booking. But the mad thing is that three months down the road from now, you could have that storyline. Your favourite brand could almost be picked up and dumped wholesale in a completely other company. It's bonkers, isn't it? The About 90% of the reasons I loved NXT, 90% of that roster, are now free agents. It's absolutely mental. And the most mental thing is, some of them, Johnny Gargano, are free agents by their own choice. They chose to leave, so... It is crazy. Someone made a very good point on social media last night when we were talking about who it might be, saying they don't think Gargano will be anywhere until Candice has had a bit, until they've had their baby. And that's a very good point. I think she apparently is due in the next month or so, I think. So I don't think we'll be seeing him anywhere soon because I think he will be at home being Johnny, Johnny husband, Johnny father, rather than Johnny wrestler. 
Johnny Wrestling. So I think we won't see him for a while uh, because, and also, why would we? Why yeah. would we see him? He's about to have a family. Like, why would we see him? I'd, I'd almost, almost now I've realised that if Johnny Gargano turns up on my screen in the next six months, I'll be annoyed. I'll be like, go home, see a newborn baby. That's a real turn you've just done there. For yes. will we see him? To I would, I would hate to see him. Yes. I think the thing that AEW is doing, as we've said, is making itself can't miss. Uh, Daniel says, I have to start watching AEW weekly. At first, it felt too on the nose. Kind of still does, but I just can't ignore that roster. And, and you can't ignore it. I remember when we first started this show that, that you were saying that, you know, AEW is this thing you walk past and you might, you might pop in every so often, but it's not as good as your favorite local where you know everyone. And I think now people are sort of going, oh, no, that's my place. A, mm. a, a, and you don't have to hate WWE, but you have to acknowledge that AEW, when was the last time WWE created buzz like this? You you just text that, Paul, and I, I can't tell you. I cannot tell you. It's, it's been a while. Here's, here's a question for you, Jack. We clamor for a sh- pay-per-view in Britain for a show. If WWE and AW both announced a live show on the same night in similar size arenas, etc., who would you go and see in England? AW wouldn't wouldn't even be close because WWE has a legacy. AW has the excitement. Where, where would I have more fun? Where would I be surprised? Where would I feel like I was at an event? Yeah, it's AEW. And I, think, I, I, think, you- I think I'd do the same. That's crazy for me to say. I yeah. think now I'd be with you at AEW um, because I'm gonna, who am I, who am I going to get wildly excited about coming out of a WWE show now? Seeing Roman, I like Cesaro, seeing Seth maybe. Who am I going to lose my mind at seeing live at AEW? Well, just of my favourite wrestlers, Keith Lee, Malachi Black, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, the chance to see CM Punk live, which I thought I'd never get. Like when they come to England, which everyone seems to think they will in this year, I will be at the front of the line battering off anyone who's trying to get a ticket before me. I know you don't queue for tickets anymore. I know that's an out of date uh, metaphor. Don't come at me. You know what I mean. I will be on my computer at the front of the line. But but that but that is t- and not easy, not easy to do because we've seen other companies, TNA for example, that arguably you could look at at one point in 2010 and say their roster was stacked to a similar degree that AW is now. They had Hogan, Flair, Foley, Angle, Styles, Daniels, Joe, Hardy, and yet they never got the momentum. So for everyone saying AEW just gets it by signing people, here's here's something, right? There'll be a lot of people saying, oh, it's just a WWE cast-off. All AEW is doing is signing the AEW cast-offs. Now, is there any validity to that view because i i have personally my opinion what's your take i could see why people would say it but i think it's a very lazy point to make because as much as yeah there are a lot of people who've been in wwe in AEW now some of them by their own choice some of them are the most ridiculous releases you've ever seen it's like to put it in sporting terms it would be like barcelona just letting Lionel messi go for free and no one want to sign him of course they're going to want to sign him when he left barca that's why psg did but you look at some of the big players in AEW, their tag team, there's a lot of tag teams who've been in WWE, FTR are there, but they're not the tag champions, are they? Jungle Boy and Luke Shaw, Jurassic Express are the tag team champions. What's the best story? Who's probably the biggest star right now in AEW? MGF, for my money. Homegrown completely. Cody, Sammy, 
the Young Bucks. I know Cody is ex-WWE, but he started the company. There's Hangman Adam Page as your world champion has never been in WWE. Kenny Omega is on a break at the moment, but he's still to come back at some point. That's wild. Like, no, yes, there are a lot of WWE cast-offs, so to speak, all former WWE guys. But I would say if you pulled them away now, if you took everyone who's been WWE away, you've still got a roster that people go and watch. But why would you... Why, I, this is where wrestling fans... Uh, I don't get it sometimes. So Guy X worked for the biggest wrestling company on the planet, and now he wants to come and work for you, and you won't have him. Why? But yeah. Because he once worked somewhere else? That, 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 that prohibits him from being in your company. Why? I don't understand it. We did see another person walk through the forbidden door, which was Jay White, a little cameo backstage, which played into the Adam Cole, Kenny Omega fizz and bubble with that feud sort of coming up with a little Young Bucks confrontation backstage saying, you know that Jay and Kenny used to be arch enemies. And then we saw at the end of AW Dynamite, Adam Cole walk out, take the AW World Championship and place it on the shoulder of a bloodied hangman Adam Page. It looks like that's where we're going for revolution. Yes, please. Colour me excited for that. Yes, 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 yes. I really like hangman Adam Page. I think he's really good, but I really want Adam Cole to win the title. I want to see my my favourite Adam Cole is Smarmy. I'm the best world champion Adam Cole that we got in NXT. And I want that in AW. And I think it's great that Page, I thought... Page was going to lose to Danielson in their matches. So I think, and if he had, I would have been disappointed for him, but I wouldn't have been disappointed in the result because I think I would have made Danielson champion then. But we said we'd both do it. Yeah. But Cole for me, he's just at his best when he's when he's the champ and he can keep going on about his undefeated streak as champion, even though we all know he lost like the other week. Love that they've sort of turned a corner with him, understood why they introduced him in sort of quirky Adam Cole mode, but we saw a great promo after his match with Evil Uno on Rampage as well, where you just got the sense, right, we're resetting now. This guy, here he comes. He's the best in the world. Forget MJF's catchphrase, and he wants a title, as he should. Yeah, why Why would Adam Cole want anything but the AW World Championship? As he said, he's been a world champion everywhere he's been. He, he expects the same here, and he's quote-unquote undefeated, so why would he not get it? I loved the start of AW Dynamite as well with uh, MJF. Of course, he had that celebration after booking, after beating CM Punk twice in Chicago. If you haven't seen it yet, it was a... I can't really say this on a wrestling podcast, but but try and avoid the spoilers for Dynamite and just, just the entrance of MJF being carried out on the shoulders of folks. It's that difference, Charlie. It's You don't know... You know how WWE is going to film something, going to stage something... AW just does these different things. And I love that. And I love that the web punk said, uh, I'm not talking to you, MJF. I'm talking to Wardlow because Wardlow's a guy who beat me in Chicago. So many different threads. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I think we get, so we're getting this rematch now, obviously, because uh, Punk and Moxie beat FTR, which is a really good match. FTR are really good, aren't they? They're just really good at tag team wrestling. I'm presuming it'll be revolution. I'm presuming... uh, do you think it'll be a stipulation match? I think a so. A gimmick match? I think it will get some sort of gimmick? Yeah, I, th- I mean, you don't need it. It's probably got enough. But but the thing is, if you what do you do? Do you have Punk beat MJF? Because that would be the 50-50 booking, and then you do a third match. Or do you actually have MJF beat Punk clean? I think they will go for some sort of gimmick match, and I think we will see the Wardlow turn on MJF 
and then they will transition MGF into Wardlow rather than carry on with Punk and MGF. I could see that as well, actually. But part of me thinks that maybe the unexpected thing to do is have Punk get all the momentum and then lose clean to MJF as well. So that was great. The death match, there was one bump in that death match, which was brutal. But Lance Archer had up Adam Page for the edge onto the stairs uh, at ringside. Uh, oh, God, that hurt so much. That would have hurt so much. I mean, he just, yeah, over the top rope, onto the stairs on their side, and then his body kind of like crumples onto the floor. Oh, uh, Oh, God. You know what he looked like when he landed? He looked like me doing my swanton impression last week. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that, that epic swanton. Um, I mentioned that because we were questioning last week why a death match, and Dan, one of our listeners, said, I'm going to chime in because I've got opinions on this. I've never done fantasy booking before, but I'm going to give it a go. Go and on, Dan. He'll, he'll be addicted now. You can't stop once you start. Once you start, you're in. Welcome to the club. Um, I would have Paige beat Archer in a brutal match. It validates himself. Uh, then Cole steps up. So basically, Dan has predicted what's happening. And he says that what's going on here is that Dan Lambert was saying, you're a fake cowboy. You're not a real cowboy. You're an entitled millennium. And the millennial, the death match was a way for Hangman Adam Page to show that he had that cowboy grit, which probably once Dan lays it out, is what they're aiming for. AEW just didn't do a particularly good job of joining those dots together. Yeah, I think I think Dan's probably made it a lot simpler than AEW did and made us realise why it's happening. I still I still would love to be some of the guys in at the back, in the back, who have obviously been there week in, week out, wrestling, got their records going. Why is, why is Lance getting the shot? Why is he just rocked up and said death match? Everyone's gone, yeah, like is that is that how it works now? It's, things like that annoy me a little bit when AW are so like it's all about your record and who's earned the shot and then Lance Archer goes I'll have it and everyone goes yep sound that uh, you turn you turn him down would you you've seen the size of the guy no 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 but but still I'm I'm sat here in my lounge so I can say this I'm I'm thousands of miles away from the big man yeah I I think and look it's it's not flawless there were points in the show where I thought I'm sure Red Dragon pitched up. And I don't see them on my screens as much. You know, we start and stop with a little bit of Cody. We had no development from that Brandy Rhodes, Dan Lambert thing last week. I'm not particularly bothered that we didn't see more of that. So it's not a perfect show, but it is the show that come week in, week out, everyone is talking about. And that isn't easy. To create that sort of buzz and make yourself must watch TV is not easy in the modern world, especially when you can just go on Instagram or YouTube and watch it in 20 minutes. So they're doing a very, very good job. So let's talk about Charlie's worst nightmares coming true last week. We now know some matches we'll be getting from WWE coming up. It will be Goldberg challenging Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia and Ronda Rousey opting to face Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Two matches that Charlie said last week he would be very cross if they came into fruition. I'm going to sit back, fill your boots. Uh, just uh, like... So, I genuinely wonder, genuinely, if Vince McMahon listens to this and doesn't like me. So, he's popped this on on Friday morning, and I've said my worst nightmare would be Goldberg comes out and challenges Roman, and Ronda challenges Charlotte, and Vince has gone, well, I don't like your silly little podcast, so I'm going to book it. Because it's... Oh, I just I just don't understand either decision. I Well... 
I probably understand the Goldberg one more because it's a big name for Saudi Arabia. I just don't want to see it. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely have no interest in seeing Bill Goldberg on my screen in 2022 in any capacity, any capacity. When he almost killed The Undertaker, that was the end of my goodwill towards Bill. I think that should be everyone. Everyone should have gone. He probably shouldn't be wrestling anymore. And yeah, he'll look better against Roman because he's against a younger guy who's better. But just, I just couldn't care less. And you know what? For the first time in probably 12 months, I didn't bother watching the Roman Reigns segment on SmackDown this week because I saw it was Bill Goldberg and I said, I've got no interest in that. I genuinely, so I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. Because so does, this, does this come down to, we spent the first half of the show talking about AEW sort of giving the fans what they want. WWE with this match is giving fans what they want. They're just not fans like you. They're fans in Saudi Arabia that they're giving the biggest match they, they, they perceive they can give. And because they've not built anyone else up to be at the level of Roman Reigns, you have to plug Goldberg elsewhere. If not Goldberg, then who? And that's probably the more worrying question because when you said it to me last week, I was like, that probably is what they're doing. And that's why I got annoyed because, yeah, there is no one else credible. And that's just an indictment on WWE and building their stars at the moment. And there might be people listening to this who are buzzing to see Goldberg and Roman have an eight-minute match that's full of bumps. And you know what? Fair play. Like, it, it just isn't for me. It just isn't for me because I don't like Bill Goldberg. I have the bigger issue with why is Ronda challenging Charlotte why? Like, we've been through this before, WWE. All we've ever wanted, ever, was Ronda versus Becky. And we lost it at Survivor Series because of a concussion. You can't help that. And you know what you did then? You plugged Charlotte in her place. Perfect. Made sense. And you know what? They had a really good match. But you know what I've seen? I've seen Ronda versus Charlotte. I've seen that match. You then tease me with Ronda versus Becky at WrestleMania and you throw Charlotte in the mix. Okay, I can understand why. First women's main event at WrestleMania, you want as much star power in there as you can. You know what? I think it probably hurt the match and it was a lesser quality match because it was too convoluted with the two belts and three women in there. It just didn't quite work. Learn your lesson. There aren't many dream matches we have not seen that have the story, that have the two competitors, that have the hype and the buzz, and you've got one in front of you, and you've chosen to go another way. And I just don't know who this is pleasing. I don't, I don't know. Someone was in touch with me in the week. This is Ryan, one of our listeners, who said, I'm fine with Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair at this WrestleMania, providing it leads to a year of build for Charlotte, uh, for Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch at the WrestleMania coming up. If it gives us a Cena Rock year-long build, where you get to that match, Ryan's a happy boy with this match. Now, my argument would be: strike while the iron's hot. There can be injuries. There, can, you know, Becky Lynch wasn't expecting to get pregnant in her last run. I mean, life happens around you. That for me is not a good enough reason to do it. No, I think I, I don't see the benefit. And it's not like you've rushed it. There are two and a half, three years of storyline to fall back on already. I, this one, I, the Goldberg one, I understand. I understand why he's doing it. I don't like it. I understand it. I don't, for the life of me, understand why you've gone for Ronda versus Charlotte. Who, who are you going to sell more pay-per-views to? What are you, what's going to sell more tickets? What's going to get people talking more? It's Ronda versus Becky. 
that is the match people want to see. Now, our listeners might tell me I'm wrong. They might come out on Twitter tomorrow and be like, Charlie, you're a fool, you're an idiot. We're all desperate to see Ronda versus Charlotte. I just don't think that's the case. But isn't this a case of the oft-put WWE view, which is the brand sells WrestleMania? That you Look, we, we can sit and rant and rave and moan and bitch about WrestleMania till our little wrestling hearts are, are content. We're still going to watch. We're still going to pay our $9.99 to, to watch it. They, they have us, Charlie. And unless you're really going to say, night one of WrestleMania, Charlotte Flair against Ronda Rousey, you're not going to bother watching, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it, it's a really good point. It's just, it's just a sad state of affairs where the biggest wrestling company in the world, in my opinion, aren't putting on the best matches they can because they don't have to. Yeah, that, and that to me is, is what I... Uh, I think WWE is a round peg shop and they've got lots of square holes they're trying to fill. And it just, you, you've, got, you've got a face in Becky Lynch. You've got a ready, does anyone think Ronda Rousey is a brilliant baby face or at least a better baby face than she is a heel? She's an amazing heel. Have her come and do, it'd be like saying, Charlie, we're going to have you play fly half. You could do it, but it's- I'm not sure I could, Jack. I'm not sure I could. <laughs> But, you know, you could get away with it, but is it where your talents are best used? I'm not sure that Ronda Rousey is best used as a babyface. And if she is, it's another ex-UFC star. And yes, she's one of the biggest stars on the planet coming in and going over one of your quote regulars. Yeah, I, I just, it, does, it doesn't work for me. It does not work. We are going to be getting an Elimination Chamber match in uh, Saudi Arabia. In fact, we now know we're going to be getting two because there will be a Women's Elimination Chamber match, which I think is fantastic. But more exciting than that for me is Becky Lynch against Lita is continuing to deliver. For me, the best segment on Monday Night Raw was Lita and Becky Lynch showing how legends should be used. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I said this recently about Beth and Edge, but Lita looks like she's having some fun out there, doesn't she? And it's so great. I love seeing I love seeing legends come back and have fun, but especially the women of that era, because you just know they must have been so frustrated 10, 15 years ago with what they were allowed to do and what they could do. And seeing these guys back doing everything they've clearly wanted to do in the past, finally, the likes of Beth, the likes of Lita, is just, you can see how much it means and how much fun they're having. And I, I have no doubt that would be a great match at Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I, I love the line. I love it when a storyline can be encapsulated in a simple sentence. And Becky Lynch said it for me on Raw. Without Lita, there would be no Becky Lynch. But now that there is a Becky Lynch, there can be no Lita. And you just think, I've got it. I know the story you're trying to tell. I'm with you. You're both cast. Would, would you have, because we said last week, at some point, one of these legends needs to come back and win and have a run because otherwise, why keep doing it? And you said the only reason you don't want to see Lita win the belt is it could ruin that Rousey Lynch match at WrestleMania. Now it looks like we're not going in that direction. Is now the time to put the belt on Lita? Yeah, if we're not having Rousey Lynch, if, there's, if, if, it, if they're not just tricking me, then yeah, go for it. I, I, I'd happily see Lita take the belt into Mania. Give her a run. If she's going to be around for three to six months full time, go for it. Because she's been here every week since the Rumble. So, yeah, happy for that because it looks like she can still go. There's some stories to tell. I'm all for that. All for yeah. it. Do you know what I would do? I remember when Shawn Michaels in 2002 came back at Elimination Chamber, won the world title, lost it a month later. 
put the belt on Lita in Saudi, build to a rematch in two weeks' time on Raw, have it main event a Raw, have Becky Lynch cheat to win, have Becky try and take Lita out afterwards, having won her title back, Bianca Belair comes in, saves Lita, and away we go. That That is your mania main event. The sad thing, I think, for Bianca Belair is that she now sort of seems second best to, to Ronda Rousey because there's this... There's this other match circling we want. And and normally, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, yeah, give that to me. But now I don't know. Yeah, Ron, that, that's the thing is whatever match Ronda had at Mania was going to steal the show on the women's side of things. That's why I just think it had to be it had to be Becky. I, I, I could talk all day till I'm blue in the face about this. It just makes, it doesn't make sense to me. So look, we've tried to be balanced. We don't like Charlotte Flair against Ronda. We don't like Goldberg against Roman Reigns. We love Lita against Becky Lynch. I have to be honest, I really like the quiz bowl between RK Bro and Alpha Academy. That was daft and stupid. And my favorite thing was that once they won, the moment Randy answered whatever that last question was, they played his music like yes. he'd won a, like he'd yes. won a match. Yes. I thought, you know what? A little bit of campy humor in my wrestling like that. Yeah, it's fine. They're building to break our hearts. They're Don't getting us it. really invested with RK Bro and Randy's being a really good friend to Riddle and they're being chummy chummy and all nice. And then he's going to RKO it. But don't, don't do it yet. I mean, you don't, you, as we were saying, you don't need necessarily the matches to sell mania. Let them be nice. Let them be friends. Do the turn when it means something. Does it not mean something now? Because you wouldn't have turned Jericho on Kevin Owens when they did, but it was perfect. Because as soon as we start thinking now is the time for the turn, it's almost too late. You need to do it when people aren't expecting or don't want it, when people genuinely don't want it. You need to turn a tag team on each other when people want to see more of them. But aren't we expecting it now because it's nearly mania? Yeah, but that's the only reason. But also, it would upset me more now than it would have four weeks ago because I'm enjoying their silly stuff together and Randy's so friendly and everything like that. I think there's more mileage here, particularly with Riddle in the chamber. Mm. You know, I, I wonder if there's if there's more on this double champion and maybe Orton starts seeing Riddle as more of a threat. Maybe Orton's friendly with Riddle when Riddle is sort of at the level below him. But once Riddle is coming up to that, he's he's almost won the world title he's in in that title picture is that what motivates randy or does riddle turn on randy i uh, I, I like it though i like the possibility randy turns on riddle that's what randy does fish swim birds fly randy orton turns on tag team partners i i like get that it. on a shirt let's and sell that as merch if you love professional wrestling, we're so grateful that you check out our podcast each and every week. And there are three things you can do right now to keep us growing. First, rate and review us wherever you're listening. Secondly, subscribe so you never miss episodes each and every Friday. And thirdly, tell someone else who's a fan about what we do here. Share some love on social media. Get in touch, Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley, and make sure you spread the word about earning the push. If you do, we're incredibly grateful. And now, back to the show. Right, let's do some fantasy booking. We have put this off for long enough. We've had big, big shows to be talking about, but we did ask you a couple of weeks back to book some fantasy elimination chamber for us. Now, I will do my next week. Charlie has been gagging, chomping at the bit. The notes are here. Charlie, give us your fantasy elimination chamber booking. We're all ears. So initially I was going to book my fancy chamber completely and then they announced who was in it. So I thought it'd be silly to not book it with those six men. So we're at the elimination chamber in Saudi Arabia 
And I would like to start with AJ Styles and Riddle as the first two in. Just because I'd like to see them wrestle for a bit. So give them, again, the chamber I love is like uh, the Royal Rumble of, oh, someone comes in every five minutes. Oh, you do some timing in between and see what the times actually are because it varies. But give them five minutes of wrestling each other because that's a match I'd like to see because I really like both those guys wrestling. Then I would like to see Austin Theory enter. And it's always awkward when there's three of them wrestling, I think. It's a little bit weird. So don't go too long with that and just, just some just some wrestling. And then Seth Rollins is fourth in. So the two left in the chambers at this point are Brock and Bobby. So those four are, having, are just doing some wrestling. I, I'm not being particularly descriptive here because this bit doesn't really matter too much. And then all four of them are still in. And the fifth entry, the lights do the do, 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 thing. Everyone listening knows what I mean by that as we well. We do. That was, that was um, like un- uncanny. Yes. And then Brock Lesnar comes in as uh, the fifth the fifth entrant. And he's been in his chamber getting really red and worked up like he does. And he comes out and he just lays waste to everyone. And I mean, it's he's like Oprah. He's like, German suplex for you. German suplex for you. You get an <laughs> F5. You get an F5. German suplex for you. Just everyone has eaten them in the ring, on the outside. I want German suplexes into the chamber wall. Like, I yes. want just to destroy everything. And he's on a rampage. It looks like Lesnar's going to run through the entire remainder of the field until the sneaky old AJ Styles creeps up behind him, harks back to his rivalry with Shinsuke, and just kicks him where the sun don't shine. Proper low blow. Just low blows, because that is the one thing that will take Brock Lesnar down, because he is human. And then from the low blow, the four of them realise they've got to team up, and we go, theory cutter into phenomenal forearm, into a stomp from Seth, into Riddle with the floating bro off the top rope. All four of them jump on top of him for a pin, and they pin Brock together as four, and Brock is eliminated first by all four teaming up. Go, finisher, 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 four-man pin. And that's how they get rid of Brock Lesnar. And literally, as they're all celebrating a little bit, the lights go again. Always makes me laugh when they do that when there's one person left. Ooh! Who's it going to be? I wonder. And Bobby comes out. And Bobby goes, I see you, Oprah Impression Brock. I do one as well. And it's, you get a spear. You get a spear. You get a spear. Spears for everyone. He eventually spears Austin Theory through the Perplex Chamber a la Goldberg because it's still one of my favourite spots ever. Yeah. It's still one of my favourites. As much as I don't like Bill now, Bill in 2003 spearing Jericho through the Chamber Yes, please, like that. It's that bit where Jericho's not going through. It's not yes. quite breaking. And, and Bill's like, Chris, this is happening. I'm, I'm, sho- I'm going to shove a bit harder here. There's a little bit of leg drive, doesn't he, to finish his tackle off? Yeah. So he spears Theory through the chamber, literally drags his lifeless body into the ring and just puts him in the hurt lock and he just taps out, like he just passes out straight away. And the other three are just kind of watching, like, oh, okay. So Theory's gone. And then they go for, Seth gets the lads in, gets uh, Riddle and AJ, and you hear him being like, we've got to do the same as Brock. So they start a three-on-one assault, and it's going well, but you know who you can't trust? You can't trust Seth Rollins. And Seth sees his chance and goes for a roll-up on AJ Styles out of nowhere and gets the pin on AJ. But as he pops up, he immediately gets speared by Lashley, and he, he eats the spear and gets the one, two, three. So we are now left with Lashley versus Riddle because, oh, I'd like to see that as well. 
and they have a good five to ten minutes, very, very even. But you can see that Riddle's just starting to fatigue a bit more because he's been in now probably for 35, 40 minutes. He's been in from the start. He's had a very physical match. But he gets the upper hand. He hits all his moves, goes through them all, and he just can't put Lashley away. So Riddle decides he needs to go rogue. He's got Lashley laid out in the middle. He goes to the top rope, shakes his head, turns around, climbs on top of a chamber, goes to a floating bro off the top of the chamber, misses, hits the floor. Lashley pops up, pulls him up, puts him in the hurt lock. And then Riddle, he can't escape, but he refuses to tap. And time just goes, 30 seconds go. And he's still there just shaking his head. 60 seconds go, and he's just shaking his head. At 90 seconds, and Lesnar, not Lesnar, that'd be weird. Lashley's veins are popping out of him. He's squeezing so hard. You just see Riddle start to fade. And after two minutes of being in the hurt lock, Riddle just collapses to the floor, is passed out. The bell goes. Bobby Lashley retains. And that's how I'd book the Elimination Chamber. I love it. I, I love that Riddle gets a star-making moment. I love that Lashley... We've never seen the dynamic before of people realizing that they are locked in a chamber with an absolute beast. And those three men looking across at Lashley thinking, we're in trouble here, lads. I love. What does, what does Brock get out of it? That's my only thing. If he's one of your main events, how? because he's losing clean. Yes, the three men, but he's losing clean. Where does... Well, he, goes, he goes on a rampage at the start, destroying four men. And then four of your biggest hitters, because they're in your main event scene, all hit their finisher on him and all four of them jump on to pin him. I just think if that's not... If he kicks out of that, then it's just hilarious. It's like, well, who can ever beat him? That, that, was, I, I, that was my thought of... He's, he only loses momentum because of a low blow and then gets four finishers and a four-man pin. I don't think it hurts Brock. Can I, can I throw one tweak, one teeny, yes. teeny tweak and see what you think of this? Brock comes out, he rampages, he stands in the middle of the ring, Roman Reigns music hits, Paul Heyman comes and stands on the ramp and looks at Brock, then the finishers start getting hit because he's distracted, Heyman laughs after the pin, walks backstage, so yes, he's been hit by all the finishers, yes, he loses clean, yes, he doesn't kick out because that would be mad, but you forward the other storyline as well. Yeah, that's really good, probably better than mine. No, uh, yeah, you know, no, you, you had all the bits there. It was, it was mine was like the little sprig on top. Yeah, no, it's very good. I could see that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to see that. And I, and would I take it from that that we're getting Seth Rollins against AJ Styles at WrestleMania? Potentially, yeah, and I'd be happy with that. That'd be a good match. Yeah, I need to see that. I need to see that. Um, well, look, that's a, that's a hell of a one for me to try and beat next week. Um, I will do my best. Actually, while we're on this, just just a quick thought about WrestleMania. Paul Heyman's promo on SmackDown does make it seem like we might be getting title on title at WrestleMania purely because Heyman was saying that, that Brock Lesnar doesn't get what he wants. He doesn't get title on title, which made me think, surely Lesnar's not going to beat Lashley for the belt again in the chamber, is he? Yeah, I hope we don't get title on title for a number of reasons. I don't think we need the titles unified. Uh, I think it kills one of the shows. I think if a show doesn't have a main title, it, what's the point of the show? And also, I don't want to see Lashley lose. Like I always think when a champion loses on their first defence, it makes it a very nothing title run. So I, I, that's why I want to see Lashley. Lashley's not my favourite WWE champion. Lashley's not my favourite man. But I would like to see him retain in the chamber. And this will make you laugh. And this is a very niche one. Only our very longest term listeners will know what I mean here. 
guess who I got a text from the morning after the Royal Rumble saying, never doubt him? Would it be one Mr. Eastwell? Yes, literally out of the blue, never doubt him. And it, no, with no relevance, I knew exactly what he meant. I said, yes, Bobby won last night. So to, to catch listeners up who are new listeners to this, on Charlie and I's old show we used to do, um, Charlie used to sometimes canvas the opinion of some of his former teammates at the Jersey Reds, who for some reason Bobby Lashley was their obsession and has remained as an obsession ever since. And that was before Bobby was a main eventer. Bobby had just come back and he wasn't doing much. And I remember we were doing a, a Mount Rushmore wrestling. That was it, jo- yeah. Jaws just picked four Bobby Lashleys. Which, and I was which, like, right. Actually, you look at it now and you think George was pretty prescient, wasn't he? He sort yeah. of knew, knew, knew what was going on. Uh, look, well, we'll do more fancy booking next week. Your thoughts on the chamber, whatever else you fancy. Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Merley. My turn next week. Um, earning the push and back to developmental. First or second this week, Charlie, what would you like to do? I never ask you. Would you like to go first or second this week? How rude of me. I am going to go first. And controversially, I want to give you two back to developmentals. Oh, wow. Someone's had a bad week. And nothing is earning the push. Oh, <laughs> God. Someone's had an awful week. What's this going to do to Andrew's spreadsheet? I, well, I know. Well, I tell you what it is. I did put down for earning the push, Six Nations being back. So that's going to get a push. Always but fun. It, it pales in comparison to two things I want to get off my chest. One, budget hotels within service stations. Yes. I had to stay at a budget hotel this week, which is absolutely fine. You get what you pay for. I didn't realize it was literally within the service station. So when I opened my curtain in this room thinking, it's very odd that it's this dark at this time of day. And you know, you go into these buildings, you get a bit disorientated. You're not sure where you are. I pulled the curtain back and it was literally the Burger King sign. Now, I love a Whopper as next as, as much as a next man, and I'm regretting saying that instantly. Yes, yes. <laughs> However, it was ludicrous. I was literally, when I opened my curtain, I was like the Phantom of the Opera, but at Costa Coffee. Like, I was above the Costa and the Burger King. So that's going back to developmental. And roundabouts with more than three exits are going back to developmental. No, this is your Cornish side coming through. I had to do a lot of driving to get to this budget hotel. And I swear to God, Charlie, how how do people navigate life with roundabouts with five or six exits? It is you need a left, a right and a straight on. Anything else is excessive and you don't need it. You're talking to a man who averages a thousand miles of driving a week. I'm not going to get on board with this one. I see up many a roundabout. Where did you learn to drive? Leicester. Right. So you've got quite a... There was, a, there, was a, there was a famous roundabout called Pork Pie Roundabout in Leicester. There has, been, there has been the death of many a driving test. And you had to learn that. And that had seven exits, I think, did Pork Pie. See, what, what my issue is, I grew up learning to drive in Cornwall. So I'm great on country lanes. You have to go out of the county to find a motorway. Like, we don't have one. By the way, ridiculous in its own right. It's such a big place. You get past Exeter... And they go, no, we don't, we don't do motorways here. Why? It's taken me t- two hours to go thirty miles. We we like it. We're fine with how we are. But the point is that so so I come to these multi lane roundabouts. 
and you go up the slipway and you think this is fine. There are three lanes. You end, you go in the, the right-hand lane and then it becomes four lanes and then you, you, you're you stuck. And I ended up, I was trying to get, I, I was in Nottingham. I was trying to go on the Brian Clough Expressway. I end up three miles away from where I needed to be just to get back to the roundabout. And I couldn't work out what I'd done wrong. So if you are, if you're listening to this and you're a town planner, anything, Anything more than three exits is excessive. It doesn't need to happen. Do one roundabout, then another roundabout. It is ludicrous. How am I expected to deal with that, Charlie? I don't know, Jack. Only everyone else does. <sighs> right. Anyway, what would you like to give the push to and send back to developmental? Early the push for me this week is Reacher on Amazon Prime. I knew it would be. Yes, I'm a huge Jack Reacher fan. I've read every book. I've read most of them two or three times. I love me some Jack Reacher. I kind of model my life on Jack Reacher. I would love to be Jack Reacher. I started drinking black coffee because Jack Reacher drinks black coffee. There, there's, there's a fun fact about me. Just, just catch people up. And I'm going somewhere with this. What is Jack Reacher's day job? Jack Reacher doesn't have a day job. Jack What's Reacher's, his job? He's a former military policeman. Yep. And he now, he does cash in hand work to just roam the country as a vagrant. No, as a hobo, not a vagrant. Uh, and he just gets on the ground bus and he gets off where he pleases and he rocks up into a town and, oh, look at that, there's some trouble in the town. Jack, best solve it. So so that's what he does. The past few weeks on Earning the Push, you have spoken about your love of slippers, sheds and oven cleaners. And yet you say straight face to me, you have modelled your life on this guy because he also drinks coffee. I would like to say there are two sides to me. There's my domestic <laughs> side and there's oh. my reacher side. I'll, I'll tell you a quick side story. When I went to watch my sister play for England, England under 20s in France, I had to get an early train into Lille. Yep. And I arrived in Lille. I mean, really, I arrived in Lille at five to six in the morning. I, it wasn't even an early train. It was a late train, really. It left like two in the morning. It was a late train. Yeah. Um, and I was just texting my godmother who got me into the reacher books pretending I was Jack Reacher. I was like, <laughs> Beckett has arrived in Lille. No one realises here. He's walking the empty streets. And she woke up two hours later to like nine texts from me. She just replied, you're an idiot. Well, so that's, that's hard, hard, hard to disagree with that assessment. True. But but anyway, so I love the books. And when I heard about f- uh, five, eight years ago that they were doing films, I was like, brilliant. Can't wait to see who's cast as six foot five Jack Reacher. And then Tom Cruise was. And I like me some Tom Cruise. My favourite film in the world is Top Gun. I love the Mission Impossible films. He's not Reacher. But and I found out, this is amazing, by the way, he's a huge Reacher fan, so he bought the rights to two films and cast himself. Oh, come on. That's, is, what, that's what we all want to do. But Because I, I couldn't, it angered me. So I've never watched those films because he's just wrong. And then they announced they were doing a TV show. And I was like, I hope they get the casting right. And Lee Child, the author, has been completely involved with it from the start. <clears throat> Excuse me. They've cast Alan Richardson, who's brilliant. Um, and I loved it. I watched it in two sittings myself, my better half, who hasn't read the books, but knows all about Reacher because I talk about it most days. What to call our dog Reacher, I've been told we can't. And we watched it in two, eight episodes and we watched it in two binge sittings. We watched three, then we watched five. No, and I haven't seen brilliant. it. But I swear to God, when you said they cast Alan, for some reason, I thought you were going to say they cast Alan Bennett, which would be... <laughs> that would be something. Here's the only one, though. You know who I would have cast instead? Me. Because I've got an A-star in drama GCSE. I would have cast Alan Bennett. I think that would be... Another drama we've got to go into. If you're looking... First of all, if you haven't read the books and you like reading books, read the books. And if you're looking for a good high-action crime mystery show with 
some killing and all that good stuff, then Reacher is for you on Amazon Prime. That is my only push this week. I'm in a frightful pickle because someone's done a murder. Anyway. <laughs> back to about mental. <laughs> Jesus, chat. This so nothing really grinding my gears this week. Do roundabouts so, then. Join me. No, no, because something has ground my gears for years. Back to developmental for me is Superman. Okay, I've got to be really careful here because I'm venturing into territory I don't understand. Isn't don't you like Marvel? I do, but <laughs> Superman's DC. Also, I like DC. I'll tell you why I don't like Superman very quickly. Superman is, he's the superhero. Everyone in the world sees the S, they know who Superman is. Here are my issues with Superman when you're writing him as a character. He's lazy writing. That's my big point. He's lazy writing, okay? So imagine pitching him. All right, guys, we've got this guy. We're going to call him Superman. Oh, he must be pretty good then. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be really good. Okay, what are his powers? Well, he's an alien. Okay, okay, fine. He can fly. All right, sound. He's got super strength. Mm, Okay, two of the big ones to one man there, but okay. That'll be it, will it? No, 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 no. Oh, no. He shoots lasers from his eyes that will kill someone. Right, okay. Three of the big three, basically, there have superpowers. So he must... We, how are we going to make him believable? What what, what weakness is he? How will someone beat him? Oh, that's easy, guys. There's this one thing, this one rock. If it comes near him, he loses all his powers. Oh, right. That makes sense. Look, he's believable. We could beat him. What's the rock? Is it a pebble? Is it coal? Oh, okay, fair, right. So in this fantasy world, there's a lots of kryptonite on Earth. Ah, uh, no. What do you mean there's not much? How much? There's none. Sorry, there's none. The one thing that can beat this man and there's none on the planet, where is it? Oh, it's on Krypton. And what's Krypton? Oh, that's a planet hundreds of thousands of miles away. Right, so this man's basically undefeatable, is he? Yeah. All right, so how how are we going to believe he can be beaten? Oh, uh, we'll work out. Okay, right, fine. Um. Okay, what do we do next? Oh, does he wear a mask? No, no, he doesn't wear a mask. Okay, well, if he lives on Earth, are people going to know who he is? No, no, it's going to be a secret identity. Right, secret identity without a mask. How how are we going to do that? Well, he's going to wear a disguise in normal day-to-day, isn't he? Okay, rogue, but I like it. So what, is he going to wear a mask day-to-day? Is he going to... Can he transform how he looks? No, 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 no. He's going to put on a pair of glasses. Sorry, hang on, sorry. Sorry, lads, what? When he's not Superman, when he's been Clark Kent, he just puts on a pair of glasses. So, so, no, one sec, guys. This man, who is the most famous man, alien, in the world, he's disguised as a pair of glasses. Yes. My bet half wears glasses. You know what I don't do when she walks downstairs with her glasses on, Jack? I don't ring the police because there's an intruder in my house because I still recognise her. Oh, it's infuriating. And everyone just goes, oh, yeah, Clark, who are you? You don't look like Superman with your glasses on. And are you telling me he never takes them off? Oh, it angers me so much. And I hate him. I hate Superman. Well, I'm glad you feel better for it. Do you ever think, like, he goes for, like, a like a, a Specsavers appointment? And they're like, just take those <laughs> off. And it's like, zoom, straight away. Also, I agree with you. I don't really know superhero stuff, but... It would seem like the third thing is completely unnecessary. Like, you can fly and you've got superhuman strength. The lasers, like... Just what? in case. Just yeah. in case that isn't enough. Just in case you can't defeat someone with that. Yeah. I hate him. And he's what? smug. You'd be smug if you had super strength and could and if fly. I, and if I look, you... and if I, if I look like Henry Cavill. Uh, yeah, well, I like the way as well that, that all the superhero movies you accept... You're completely fine. That's the thing, I am. I will accept it all. Except this. 
a Spider-Man is absolutely fine. Wonder Woman and her imaginary plane, you know, it's all fine. All but this it. guy, okay. Well, I can feel that's been brewing. I can feel that's like that's like the heel turn erupting after years. Um, it's a good one, though. Look, uh, we should probably wrap this up. Uh, we record before SmackDown. Is there any way, shape, or form you see WWE walking back their decision with Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte Flair? Or is that set? Do we just have to like it and lump it? I could see them changing it at some point. I don't think they will, but it could be a twist or so I don't, I don't I just don't know how they do it what scares me is the thought that Lita might beat Becky and then Becky so ends up in the Charlotte Ronda match and we end up running that triple threat back and I I don't need to see that again again I've seen it the, the problem is unless it's Becky versus Ronda it's not going to make me happy yeah, it's a, it's a one one show, one match we want to see. We will see whether we get it. Uh, this show, though, is almost done. We thank you for listening. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen each and every week. Thank you to everyone who joins us. Uh, Charlie underscore Beckett is him on Twitter. I am Jack underscore Murley. And we will see you again next week. Same time, same place, but earning the push. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>